appreciate the preparation and the practice of those that uh, sing uh, in church. I appreciate the preparation of these uh, ladies and the uh, folks that play the instruments, and it shows, and what a blessing. And I'm, I appreciate folks giving God their best and singing such a wonderful song, All Is Well. That doesn't mean all circumstances are favorable. But it does mean God is God, God's in control, and because of that, all is well. Open your Bibles to the same passage that I preached from this morning. I thought about re-preaching the sermon I preached this morning, and, uh, but I want to finish it is what I want to do. I love uh, the statements that are found in this passage of Scripture, the end of verse number 17, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Uh, Abraham behaved as though the promise of God had already been fulfilled. He had no complaints. He had all praise for God. Then the beginning of verse number 18, who against hope believed in hope. There was no hope, but he still believed in God. And I'm glad we have a God that doesn't show a way, but he's a God that maketh a way when there is no way. Now verse number 20 is our text verse, and uh, the Bible says that he staggered not at the promise of God, through unbelief. What a powerful statement and testimony of God about Abraham. And then the statement, but was strong in faith. And this morning we talked about the things that he overcame. I'll mention those again in just a minute. But here's the message tonight, giving glory to God. I want to preach not just that he did, but how do you give glory? How do you give glory to God? An instructional message I trust that we'll not just hear and understand uh, but that we will follow. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless the preaching of your word tonight. I desire to bring honor and glory to you. I desire to preach in a way that is a scriptural instruction for our lives, and it will affect our behavior. It will affect our thinking. It will affect how we treat others. It will affect how we uh, communicate with you uh, during uh, this week. I pray that our attention would be given these next 25 to 28 minutes. Lord, help us on purpose to understand spiritual warfare takes place right now as the devil will do anything to keep us from hearing the truth, but the truth of the word of God is what we need in our lives. Help us to receive it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. <coughs> Excuse me. We learned this morning in the message that Abraham had to overcome several obstacles uh, to keep his faith in God. I said that God's will always leads us beyond our ability, <coughs> which requires us to have faith in God. Only God can fulfill his will in our lives. I'm not able to accomplish God's will, but he enables me. You are not able to do God's will, but he will by faith enable you as God had a will for Abraham's life God has a will for your life <clears throat> and you may not think it to be important but it is very important and it's not just about you it's about who it affects of you doing God's will don't miss the thought tonight that it doesn't just affect you doing God's will it affects others doing the will of God we learned this morning that Abraham had to overcome personal sin and by faith trust in God. He had to overcome not having a human pattern. No one, had el no one else had ever done what God had promised in his life and Sarah's. He had to overcome weakness in associations. He never blamed anyone. He simply trusted in God. 
He had overcome personal failures. He'd given everything he could do, even did wrong trying to accomplish the will of God. He had to overcome failures. He had to overcome the present circumstances, but he did, and he had strong faith in God, as the Bible says in verse number 20. And then the Bible says in verse number 20, uh, giving glory to God. Now, let's focus our attention on this thought. This giving glory to God did not come after Isaac was born. This giving glory to God is how Abraham lived the 25 years of waiting on the promise of God. He didn't give God the glory once the answer came. He was as excited about the promise as he was the answer. And he believed it to be so true. He believed it to be real. The things that were not, he acted as though they were already. And he gave glory to God. Abraham is an example of how to live while we're working through the circumstances of life and give glory to God. He gave glory to God before the promise was fulfilled. He gave glory to God during the difficult circumstances. He gave glory to God during his failures. He gave glory to God rather than blame any delay on anyone else. And Abraham weighed the human impossibility of him becoming a father against the divine impossibility of God being able to break his word and he decided nothing is impossible with God. And I'm going to praise God not after the answer comes. I'm going to praise him now. Amen. Now we all understand praising God for great things he have done. We all do that. And we should. And we should. After God blesses us, we should say praise the Lord. Uh, glory to God. I'm glad for what he has done. We should give God the glory for what he's done. But what, what about what he's promised to do in our life? What about what you're still waiting on? What about the disappointments in life? Are you still giving glory to God? Do we give him glory before the promise is fulfilled? This speaks to how we behave while we're waiting for God to answer our prayers. This speaks of how we behave during a setback during a surprise, during a disappointment, during a trial, during a failure, during an opposition, do we still give glory to God? Now, this statement, just as faith is a decision to exercise the will, so giving God glory before the answer comes, and whatever the answer may be, is also a decision of the will. I want to make sure that I separate giving glory to God from emotion. Now, it can be emotional, but it's not an emotion, it's a decision. Are you with me? Amen. Giving glory to God is a decision. Giving glory to God before the answer comes is a decision. Giving glory to God no matter what the answer is, is a decision. Now, it's interesting for me to note after seeing this truth in Romans chapter 4, as I began to study other people of faith in God, it is interesting to note that all of them were people who gave glory to God before the blessing came. 
Now I'll not go through a lot of illustrations, but give you a sampling. And understand the people who give glory to God no matter the circumstance, give glory to God no matter our inability, give glory to God no matter what the obstacle or situation is, that is the attitude of folks that God works in their life in a great way. Daniel gave praise to God before he went into the lion's den. The three Hebrew children said he's going to deliver us one way or the other. Uh, whether he gives us more time here or takes us to heaven, we're a child of the king. You can't take our life. You can destroy the body, but you can't take our life. Uh, Paul and Silas went into prison, and as they went into prison, uh, they didn't just praise God when the earthquake came and they were delivered. They praised God while they were in the prison. Now, I want to say it again. This is not an emotion. It's a decision. You say, well, I don't, I don't know if I mean it. Friend, can I tell you something? We ought to tell God. And I want to show you tonight what the Bible says. How do you give glory to God? We ought to tell God. We ought to live in our lives that we give glory to Him. Now, the word glory in the Old Testament as related to God is connected to the greatness and the splendor of who God is. When I think of an illustration of His splendor, I think of the Queen of Sheba who came to see Solomon because she heard of his greatness. And she wanted to know if it was true of his greatness and of his wisdom. And when she came, she said, the half has not been told. It's greater than I even expected. When you look at the glory of God in the Old Testament, it speaks of his greatness. It speaks of his splendor. I want to tell you, he's a better God than we even know that he is. He is a great God, and that's why we can sing, all is well. In the New Testament, the word glory is connected to the words dignity, the word honor, the word praise, and the word worship. When we put these together, we find that glorying, uh, glorifying God means to acknowledge His greatness and give Him honor in any circumstance. Now, I want to say that again because that's a purpose of the message right there. When you put the two definitions of the Old Testament and the New Testament, the glory of God, we find that glorifying God means to acknowledge His greatness and give Him honor regardless of the circumstance. The Bible tells us in 1 John that he greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. He is a greater than God. Some of you have been here a while. You heard the sermon I preached on a greater than God. In one summer, I had written down just a little more than 300 prayer requests. Those prayer requests would include a ministry requests and ministry needs. It would include the staff. It would include the deacons. In fact, I prayed for them twice, uh, the deacons. And then uh, it would include those for salvation, missionaries, and those that are special needs. And at more than 300, and I'll never forget that uh, uh, morning in early summer as I looked at those prayer requests. In fact, I'll never forget uh, Scott Moore's name was the first on the list after the ministry request as I began to pray for the people because Scott Moore uh, had uh, learned that he had cancer. And uh, his boys uh, were small boys. Uh, they're growing up now. And, uh, and, and, and uh, they were little boys. And I, I was brokenhearted and praying uh, for him. Now, I'll never forget that morning that I uh, looked at those prayer requests and the things that we were working on in that summer, and I felt overwhelmed. And I said, Lord, 
I don't want to feel overwhelmed. I want to live in victory. I pray that you'd help me. Lord, help me. And the verse came to mind, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And I looked at that verse in 1 John and I saw that greater than. And I recalled in school and writing on a chalkboard. I won't explain it. If you don't know what it is, ask later. And, and, and you would take two numbers and you'd write a greater than sign between the two numbers pointing to the greater than number. And I took all of those prayer requests that day and I wrote the name Jesus beside every one of them. I wrote the name Jesus beside Scott Moore, cancer. And I said, Jesus is greater than cancer. When I got to the end, I found that God is greater than every problem, every circumstance, every trial, every tribulation that we could find. And I went from feeling overwhelmed and heavy in heart to shouting and rejoicing that we have a greater than God. And glorifying God is recognizing that He is greater than all our needs. Take your Bibles and go with me, if you will, to 1 Chronicles chapter 16. 1 Chronicles chapter 16. I want to follow just some simple Bible instruction on praising and glorifying God. Not just praising God, but glorifying God. There's a tad difference between praising God and glorifying God. Uh, look at chapter 16 and verse number 27. 1 Chronicles 16, 27. In these verses, we'll see two actions on our part that make up the act of glorifying God. I want to give God glory. I want to give Him glory not only after the blessing, I want to give Him glory during the burden. As I carry the burden, as I go to God in prayer, as I claim the promise, I want to give God glory. There are two things that we'll see here. First, we ascribe or give glory to Him because it's due Him. Second, we bring an offering to God as part of the worship that glorifies Him. Now, offering is not necessarily money, and I'll say more about that in just a moment. Look at the verses, if you will, verse 27, 1 Chronicles 16. Glory and honor are in His presence. Strength and gladness are in His place. Given to the Lord, ye kindreds of the people, given to the Lord glory and strength. Given to the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. The, word, uh, the world also shall be stable uh, that uh, it be not moved. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. And let men say among the nations, the Lord reigneth. Let the sea roar in the fullness thereof. Let the fields rejoice in all that is therein. Then shall the trees of the wood sing out at the presence of the Lord because he cometh to judge the earth. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good for his mercy endureth forever. Mark your place there and go to Isaiah, if you will. Go to the book of Isaiah in chapter 42. When I read instruction like give glory to God, I say, I want to do that. How do I do it? I want to make sure I do it right. I don't want to follow someone that may have an idea. I want to follow what the Bible teaches me this week. I want to obey the word of God and I want to give God glory in my life. Uh, Isaiah 42 and verse number 8, the Bible says this. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, 
neither any praise to graven images. What is the offering that we bring to God? I'm going to give you four things tonight. First of all, we give God what he deserves. We give him glory. We praise him. We give him an offering. I'm sorry, the first thing we do is we recognize that he is glory. We recognize his splendor. We recognize his position. We recognize his power. As they sang a while ago, all is well, not because circumstances are all good. All is well because he is God. That's exactly what the Bible is teaching. And then we give an offering. What do we do in giving an offering? Well, glorifying God in an offering means, first of all, agreeing with all he says. Glorifying God means I agree with his word. I'll never understand those that try to correct the word of God. I'll never understand those that have given themselves to try to say that the Bible is not the word of God or the King James Bible is not the word of God. I'll never understand that. Why would you stand in a classroom trying to sow doubt in the minds of men and women about the word of God? Uh, giving glory to God, first of all, is saying, I agree with everything you say. I want you to look at Isaiah chapter 42 and verse number 5. Isaiah 42 and verse number 5. Thus saith the Lord, He that created the heavens and stretched them out, He that spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of it, He that giveth breath unto the people upon it and spirit to them that walk therein. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness. Now, glorifying God means I agree with all he says. Now, we live in a world today that even the most simple of principles, the most basic of life, the world is trying to prove that God is wrong. You know what they're going to find out? They're going to die in their error, and God will live on in eternity. Uh, they can change, they can change the name, they can change the description. And, and, and it's obvious what we're facing in America today. It's not a political argument. It's a spiritual truth that they're working to disagree with everything God says. I said it this morning. I don't need an archaeologist to prove that the Bible is the Word of God. Now, I enjoy when an archaeologist has enough sense to agree with the Word of God. But by faith, I believe what God says. How do I give him glory? Whatever he says, that's what I agree with. I read in the Bible. I, I said this morning in the Sunday school lesson, most people don't disagree with the Bible because the Bible contradicts itself. They disagree with it because the Bible contradicts them. So to glorify God, the Bible teaches us to glorify God means to agree with everything he says about himself. Take your Bibles and go to Psalm number 19. Psalm number 19. Go quickly to Psalm 19 and verse number 7. Psalm number 19 and verse number 7. This is a great verse. We're learning how to glorify God. I don't want to have just an emotion, though I want to be emotional, and that's all right. But by principle and obedience, I want to know, yes, I gave God glory in my life today, not because he answered a prayer, but just because he promised one. Look at verse number 7, Psalm 19, 7. The word of the Lord is perfect. It doesn't say it's 99.9% .9 correct. It's perfect. Converting the soul. 
The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Now what Abraham did for 25 years before he held that little baby in his arms, before God gave that promised seed, before Isaac was born, uh, uh, Abraham glorified God. That means he agreed with everything God said. When somebody said, Abraham, you're crazy to believe that. I mean, you've been believing that. You've been saying that 15 years. You're crazy. I still believe it because that's what God said. Some say to us today, well, the Lord is not coming. You've been preaching that forever, friend. Let me tell you something. Jesus is coming again. Whatever that book says is going to happen. And to glorify God means I do not question the word of God, but I agree with the word of God. Second of all, how do I glorify God? I not only agree with his word, I prove it by living it. Obedience is the best proof to tell me I agree with the word of God. To say I agree is one thing. To let it instruct my manner of life is another. The Bible talks about our ways. Our ways are to be pleasing to him. Take your Bibles and go to Psalm 103. Psalm 103, to glorify God, means not only to agree with the word of God, but it means to obey what we agree with. It means to obey the word of God. Psalm 103, and go down to verse number 17. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children to such as keep his covenant and to those that remember his commandments. But it doesn't stop there. To do them. Not enough to know what the commandments are. Not enough to say I agree with the commandments. To glorify God means that I obey the commandments of the Lord. John chapter 14, verse number 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. He didn't say if you love me, go to a praise and worship service and act like you love me. He said, love me by obeying my commandments on Monday and Friday. And so we glorify God. Abraham glorified God, not after the baby was born, though he glorified God then. He glorified God through the process as if the baby was already there and the promise was already fulfilled. He gave glory to God. Some of you going through college, sometimes you begin to second, uh, second uh, question, uh, give second thought to whether you should continue to do what God put you to doing. If you would learn to glorify God in your life, look, if you live in doubt, you'll find problems. But if you live in faith, you can move forward. Glorify God. Even if you're a junior, again. Glorify God. You've been praying a prayer God hadn't answered for five years. Give God the glory. You see, if you let one thing cause you to open up the opportunity to complaining to God, you'll start complaining about everything. Our attitude ought to be, first of all, pray, praising God, glorifying God, because that's who he is and that's what he deserves. But second of all, in our offerings to God, what do we offer him? We agree with him. Second of all, we obey him. Third of all, we glorify God by proclaiming his greatness to others. 
We glorify him by proclaiming his greatness to others. Take your Bibles and go to Psalm number 78. Psalm number 78. How do I glorify God? How can I live my life in faith of the promises of God like Abraham set an example? And I said it this morning. Abraham's example is the same example of that of Noah and others. Noah is not an example on how to build an ark. Noah is an example of faith in God. Abraham's not an example. I don't know if anybody's looking for one to have children at 90 and 100, but he's an example of faith in God. We learn in Psalm 78, we glorify God by telling others of his greatness. Look at verse number one. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a, a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. Why? That the generation to come might know them even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. I have this not only underlined, but have it underlined in red, that they might set their hope in God. I want to glorify God by telling you He is a great God. He is a prayer answering God. He's good on the mountain. He's good in the valley. He's good when you have plenty. He's good when you don't have any. He's always a good God. You can have faith in God. I don't want to ever be negative toward God. I wouldn't know what to be negative about. He's better to us than we deserve. And we ought to sing His praises and we ought to let others know, not just in church, but in our home, testifying to our husband and wife testifying to our children letting folks know at work the goodness and the greatness of God why that they might set their hope in God how do I glorify God how do I do what Abraham did what did Abraham what were his actions what were his behaviors that he did to glorify God just when the promise was given and not when it was fulfilled well he glorified God by agreeing with what God had said he glorified God by obeying what God told him to do. He glorified God by proclaiming his greatness to others. And number four, we glorify God when we extol his attributes. I use that word because it's a Bible word. I want you to see it. Psalm number 30. Psalm number 30 and verse number one. Extol, E-X-T-O-L, is not a word that we use. It's, it's not a word, or I, I don't use it uh, in everyday vocabulary, but it is a word, and it's separate from praise. It's sort of like the word in the Bible, happy, and the word in the Bible, blessed or blessed. Uh, happy is happy, and blessed is happy, happy. You've heard me give that illustration before. Happy is a cheeseburger. Happy, happy is a double cheeseburger. Blessed is a Baconator. It's the same thing, just more of it. Now, the word extol is the same as praise, but just a lot of it. The word extol, if you study the word, you'll find that it means to praise enthusiastically. It means that praise is not an emotion, but praise has been obeyed to the place that it has become an emotion. 
Did you get that? Praise is not an emotion. But extol means that I praised him by decision so much it has become an emotion. You ever driving down a road just thanking God for his goodness to you and you start thanking God for how he's blessed you and how he's answered prayer and all of a sudden you need windshield wipers inside the windshield rather than outside. You've gone from praising God to extolling him. I mean, you're excited. I mean, you, you, you really are excited about the goodness of God and that's what Abraham did. He didn't just get up in the morning and say, no, God, I'm, I know I'm supposed to praise you, so I do it. I'm going to praise you and mark that off my list so I can go to the next thing. No, Abraham thanked God for his goodness to the place that he extolled God. Look at Psalm 30 and verse number 1. The Bible says, I will extol thee, O Lord, for thou hast lifted me up and hast not made my foes, my foes to rejoice over me. Psalm 68 verse number 4. Uh, here we have the word extol again. Sing unto God. Sing praises to his name. By the way, that's, that's why we come to church. And singing is not just a, it's not a physical exercise, not a breathing exercise. That's not why we do it. We are together praising God. That's what church is about. It's not about a praise team putting on a show up here. It's a song leader leading all of us in praising God, sometimes extolling God, getting excited about the goodness and the glory of God and his blessings to us. Psalm 68, 4, sing unto God, sing praises to his name, extol him that rideth upon the heavens by his name, Jah. You know what that is? That's short for Jehovah. And rejoice before him. Listen to these words in Daniel 4 verse 37. Listen to these words. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. All whose works are truth and his ways judgment. And those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. He could have killed Nebuchadnezzar. But he brought him to the place to realize you're just a king and a temporal one. But I am the king of kings and lord of lords. And Nebuchadnezzar said, I praise and extol him. Now when we come to church, we praise the name of God. We extol the name of God. When we go to our place, our private place of, of uh, our walk with God and our fellowship with God, yes, we ought to praise Him. We ought to praise Him by decision, but praise is when it becomes emotional and we extol Him. Amen. To glorify God is to recognize His attributes. He's holy, He's faithful, He's merciful. He's gracious, he's loving, he's majestic, he's sovereign, he's omniscient, he's all-powerful. And that's just to name a few. I don't know where you are in life. Maybe you're at a tough time in life, but wherever you are, if you're at the beginning of a prayer, or you're five years into a prayer, or you're ten years into a prayer, and you believe it, you desire it, and God has not taken that desire away, but the answer hasn't come. Praise him and give him glory now. 
Don't just say, I'll give you glory when the answer comes. Give him glory right now for what he's going to do. Stand with me, if you will. Heavenly Father, thank you for the instruction of the word of God. Thank you for the example of Abraham. Lord, thank you that Abraham